Hello and welcome to, uh, well I was going to say this week in the 90s, that's wrong isn't it because we've finished that. Uh, welcome to 90s Natter from Alive and Kicking, something we were just discussing pre-pod that may not be a weekly series, maybe more of a monthly but we'll get onto that in a minute. My name's Ash Rose, as usual I'm here with two of the finest 90s football brains you could ever imagine. Uh, first he's a social media mogul for many, many different outlets. Uh, he's my friend and yours, I haven't said that for a while. Joel Young, how you doing Joel? I'm very well, Ash. How are you? Um, good. Yeah, busy, busy week. Um, Have you been staying up all night to get ready for WrestleMania? Yeah, I should do. I'm already feeling tired after a busy week, and I'm thinking Sunday night is not going to happen in the uh, in the flip side of my world, WrestleMania world. But um, I'll tr- I always think that, and then if you just send up to the half five though Monday morning. I don't I don't know if I'm seeing the pace, but that's for another another podcast. Um, but how are you? You good? I'm all right. I'm, I'm very well. I'm smiling. I'm happy. I'm ready to go. That's what I like to hear. I hope that's the same sort of vibe we get from our other regular. He is a, a writer of a plethora of outlets. He's best friends with Brian McClare. He's Matthew Chris. How are you doing, Matthew? Well, I'm not as enthusiastic as Joe, that's for sure. Uh, <laughs> it's, because it's, it's because we're recording it five past two in the afternoon and you haven't had it pear side. Yeah, that's true. Uh, there's actually a fresh pack in the fridge. That, uh, it's there told myself i'm not going to open until well i was going to say the sun goes down but you know this time of year that could be a bit difficult so uh, let's say five o'clock yeah, oh, yeah you're, giving, <laughs> you're giving away the secrets there for anyone who follows matthew and you should on twitter um, you would have seen his picture last night of he's ready he's set up and he was ready to go um, and i hold my hands up i got back from manchester last night and i was tired i couldn't feel i wasn't feeling the love for uh, sitting up and talking um, last night I was a bit tired, so I I said no to the podcast. So we we're re-recording. Look, that didn't mean that I didn't drink the pear. Sorry. Oh, I'm sure you did. Yeah, I'm yeah, sure yeah. you did. But uh, so yeah, we're doing on an, an afternoon instead. Um, on a, so it's April the fourth, and you know what it is, uh, Joel? It's Branco's birthday today. Is it really? Yeah. Oh well, that might be. Uh, he might come up in conversation later on. Oh really? Okay. Not yeah. Yet. And he's nine games from Middlesbrough. Yeah, and he's uh, well. He, I mean. His almost namesake, Marco Branca, who was very good. And then you have Branco, who was just very fat. Very fat, yeah. Did wear a lovely pink coat, though. Pink like a Middlesbrough puffer jacket on his debut when he's sitting on the bench that I saw a picture of today. <laughs> I think it's made, I think the kit was yeah, um, well, he was, he, Let's be honest, he was just bought to keep Janino company. It's not that, ba- was the, that was the whole point. <laughs> Worth every penny, then. Yeah. <laughs> Worth so, every I mean, penny. You would know, have, have done that job for that. I can't speak Portuguese. Oh, I'm sure you're giving <laughs> a good go after a few, a few pints. I mean, but this is back in the day before du- Duolingo, and you know, I'd have been sat there with a phrase book. There's, uh, I got, I got an email um, yesterday. Uh, well, it was a newsletter actually for anyone who subscribes to um, Monday Out, the excellent football magazine. Uh, they did, they, they've got some new pin badge or something. But the sort of origins of the pin badge was Janino and Emerson, who once went to a wax jacket factory in Middlesbrough. Do you know that story, <laughs> Joe? I don't know this story. I'm now going to look it up. Yeah, there's pictures of them in their like sparkly, leathery, waxy jackets. Um, but I, I don't know. I need to delve into this story a bit more. Maybe it's something we should chat about on a, on a future episode. But yeah, that seems like a very 90s-esque story of something to do in Middlesbrough when footballers have got way too much time. On their it hands. looks like they might have gone to South Shields to the barber factory. That's it, barber. Yeah, because I was. I yeah, that, yeah, that's a little bit different from some wax jacket factory. Is that a fa- is that a famous brand I should know then? 
Yeah, but a barber's very posh. Yeah, oh, okay. barber's like what you wear. I mean, you live in the countryside. I should, now, yeah, right? I should know this. So you I? should yeah. know these things. You should be out with your, you know, if if you're doing that sort of thing, you know, on the glorious twelve and all that business. You should own a barber jacket. It's in Jarrow apparently, or South, South Shields. There oh, you go. Okay. Oh, that time, Janino and Emerson went to see the barber factory. I found an Instagram picture, thanks to Proper Magazine. Oh, okay, uh, yeah, which I linked to I... Mundial, actually. They do a lot of stuff together, so they were probably all in cahoots on that one. Cahoots. Cahoots is a good word, isn't it? Yes. Um, okay. I, I, didn't know, I didn't know that uh, that little publicity little stuff that yeah. went on. Yeah, that's good, isn't it? Yeah. I thought, that was, I thought that'd be up your street for sure. Um, no, it's very good. Uh, far too much borough already, but that's, that's what happens on this show. Um, right, so those people who didn't listen last week will go back and listen to the first one. What we've decided to do, and we've already decided that probably a weekly show is not really going to work, but we'll do this one anyway. Nineties <laughs> um, Natter is unplanned. Each three of us are going to bring some topics to the table, nineties um, football related, and we'll chat through opinions, questions, debate, whatever the, the sort of way we want to do it. That seems to be the sort of format for this show. And um, we've also got some questions and some topic suggestions from Twitter, which I'll um, which we'll go through. Um, in just a second. Before we do that, just literally 39 minutes ago, this is the first time I looked at it, I had a tweet from Adam uh, Beecham, I think his name is, uh, who's put a kind of montage of 90s footballers up on, uh, he's put together, and he says, can you name all 17 of these footballers? Now, I'm not going to sit there and name them because it's boring audio. I'll retweet it, though. Um, he's foolishly put Kevin Gallon on there. So, I mean, who's he trying to kid on that one? Uh, but <laughs> just quick looking, Salenzi, Peter Fear, John Ebrill, Chris Casper. You know, Obama, you're, ruining, yeah. you're ruining the game I'll, now. I'll stop. Yeah, There's a couple on there I'm, I'm actually I'm not sure of. So, um, yeah, I'll have a look at that later. I'll, I'll retweet it as we speak. Look at this, live retweeting. There you go. Have a go yourself. It's on the AK90 speed. Anyway, let's talk 90s football then. Um, we'll talk um, to the Twitter questions in just a second. But, Joel, let's kick off with you. What... Um, Keep saying bringing to the table it reminds me of old WWE Network show. But what uh, what are you bringing to the nineties football table today? Well, this is something that I've discussed with you both before now. So hopefully you'll have something. <laughs> There's a surprise. Yeah. Uh, oh well, hold on. One minute it's like oh you haven't prepared us properly. The next minute it's, it's something you've talked to us before about. Oh Come no no I, no no I never said that. It's, it's also something for the people out in social media world at large to tell us what they think and then. We're going to wrap the programme around it later on, but I wanted you to tell me wow. who you think, from QPR, for Manchester United, and I'll tell you for Middlesbrough, who your biggest bargains, your three Ooh. biggest bargains of the 1990 were. That's my, that's my first one. So, so I'll give you a little bit of time to think. Yeah, if you want. do your Barrow ones, yeah. And then my Borough ones yeah. I have put in. Number three, John Hendry, who we signed from Leeds United for... Uh, Six hundred and oh no, um, five hundred and sixty-eight thousand pounds in uh, July of nineteen ninety. John Andrew stayed for the and stayed until about nineteen ninety-six. I think scored the last ever goal at Everton Park. We discussed his mazy run against last Millwall week, yeah. Yeah. last week, which was a lovely goal. John Henry was one of these players who he would have played anywhere. He played as a striker or a number ten or. On the wing as well, he played and uh, all-round hero, total nice guy. So my number three pick for bargain, uh, it's just over half a million quid, John Hendry. Uh, number two, somebody who gets mentioned quite a lot on this programme and now uh, <laughs> now now known as a as a commentator for NBC Sports of America. Uh, yes, it's 
Well, I, I've only just found this out. He's not Robert Musto. He's Robin Musto. How's he a Robin? Oh. He's a Robin Musto. Yeah, that, Robin yeah. Musto. Three hundred and twenty. Uh, three hundred and seventy-five thousand pounds. Musto's one of those players who. I think he was um, he was signed in 1990, so he'd have been a Colin Todd. I think it was the same day as John Hendry, actually. I think there was three of them. I can't remember who the other one was off the top of my head. But Musto was one of them who, whenever a new manager came in, they always tried to kind of shunt him out and get rid of him. And then he ended up getting his players back and staying forever. And he, and he played, he stayed at the club until 2002, you know. So, so I very much loved Robbie Musto. Very tidy football player, very... Uh, but not afraid to go in on a tackle. Uh, very, very, very much loved still up in up in Borough. There you go. Three hundred and sixty-five appearances, one for every day of the year. Um, Twenty-five goals. Um, just very honest, hard-working, drafting, tackling, model football player. No bother that lad. Never any bother. Uh, so he's my number two, and my number one. Um, my number one, obviously, free transfer from Manchester United. Brian Robson, oh. who sort of gets Changed forgotten it, about. Yeah. I thought you were going to say Peter Davenport for a minute. Then. Yeah, no, he was our record buy and absolutely wasn't a bloody bargain. £950,000. Um, yeah, Brian Robson, free transfer, because we got him as a player and then made him manager. That was the initial thing. And uh, he absolutely transformed everything about the club. And I love Brian Robson. He still gets a bit of a sort of bad press from a lot of... Uh, Middles for fans, I think, and he shouldn't because he's absolutely the catalyst for everything that has happened since. And he was classy. He only scored one goal for us against Port Vale live on the telly on a Sunday afternoon back in the day when you could watch, uh, when you know, regional tie teams would just pick and choose individual Borough games to show on a Sunday afternoon. And he scored a rocket from about 25 yards out. And uh, what a player, what a guy, and he could drink a lot as well. So, fair play. So, my still bargain for Middlesbrough. In the 1990s, Brian Robson. So no. there you go. No, that's good. That's a good list. Um, Matthew, you got three. I've, I think I've got three. Um, well, I got. See, I had a bit of a heads up that Joe was going to ask this question because I saw him tweeting about it the other week. I know. I, I was talking. Yeah. I was there. I should have. have yeah, I, I accused him. About, yeah. of, I accused him of using this, uh, using it as one of his questions, and he denied it. So not, last week, I very nearly snatched it off him and used that as one of my questions. <laughs> I couldn't <laughs> I go mad. And I wish I had now. But what I didn't realise was it was going to be a top. Three. Top I was three. just had one name in my mind, but and it's got to be nineties, I assume. Yeah. So they've got to literally yeah. have signed in the nineties. Yeah, signed in the nineties. Yeah. Oh, there's that's the noise of me scr- scratching Brian McClare off my list, even though at seven hundred thousand pounds. Just in. obsessed with Brian McClare. Well, he was he was a huge part of that United team. Came in. Nobody has scored twenty league goals since George Best in '67. He came in, did it. In his first season, and then went on to greater things. I won what eleven trophies with the with the club, four league titles, FA cups. I mean, but he didn't sign in the nineties. He signed in nineteen eighty seven. So I'm desperately trying to think of a nineties bargain. Um, if we're going to do it in reverse order, which I suppose we should do, um, I suppose you could say Ollie Solskjaer. Really, yeah. I mean, I, if you think yeah. what he what he. Um, did for the club. I mean, his goals record. I haven't got it in front of me because obviously I wasn't. One hundred and twenty-six goals in three hundred and sixty-six appearances. Well, so that's nearly one in three, isn't it? That is very quick as well. That's one in three. Thirty-three goals came in the last fifteen minutes. 
Yeah, well, thank you very much. It's almost like we rehearsed this. Um, well, that, that justifies my decision. And again, I mean, he's obviously in the news now and everyone thinks of him as a club hero and everything, which he was, and, and mostly because of that goal he scored in the new Camp in the 99 European Cup final. But as those figures demonstrate, it wasn't just about that. He was a formidable goal scorer and uh, a player that hardly anyone had heard of when he signed in 96-7, was it, Joel? Yeah, 96 um, it's funny, he signed for he signed for one point five million, which we haven't mentioned yet. But what what is quite funny here is, is there's some other players who went for around one point five that season. Um, Niall Quinn, Manchester City, Sunderland, one point three. That's a bargain Steve Claridge, for Sunderland. Yeah. Steve Claridge, Birmingham to Leicester, one point two. Um, Paul Furlong, Chelsea, Birmingham, one point five. Furlong. And Nigel Clough, Liverpool to Manchester City, one point five. <laughs> or you could have had ten percent of Alan Shearer, fifteen million. So, uh, yeah, that's quite... Uh, well, that, that puts it into perspective. So, um, yeah, a great a great signing in an era when we never really knew who these foreign players were when they came. And thought, who the hell's that? And um, no, he certainly certainly lived up to any kind of expectation that anyone had of him, even though nobody really did, because we didn't know who he was. Um, so, another um, mention but, here of, of, of another... T- obviously, everybody talks about in the 99 season, the... Um, Obviously, the Solskjaer winner in the um, in the Bayern Munich game, but um, I'd forgotten about the game that you played against Liverpool in the fourth round of the FA Cup when the yeah, yeah. went into the second minute and Dwight York scored in the 88th I minute. Then he got, lives, he yeah. got the winner. Yeah, yeah, but that just summed up that season. I mean, that season was just incredible for so many things. I mean, you had the classic FA Cup semi final against Arsenal. But the missed penalty, the uh, extra time goal, and then obviously that game, it was, yeah, United were staring down the barrel of a home defeat to Liverpool in the FA Cup, and who knows, I mean, you just don't know whether, had they lost that game, whether the whole season could have collapsed. Everything seemed to propel them on to something else in that season, you know, they'd get a great win in the league, and then after that they'd go on and get a cup win, and then they'd do well in Europe, and you know, you had all those epic sort of encounters, so um, that one's probably one of the I mean, a lot of United fans remember, obviously, but um, if you were to go through that season with people that weren't, they may forget that game. But it was, as Ash says, it was um, broadcast on, I think, who had the FA Cup. I think it was, it was Sky. Definitely... I think it was on Sky. Was it? Yeah. I thought, uh, I thought some terrestrial, I thought they might have shared it with BBC. They would have shared something. it, yeah, but I think that game particularly was, I think Sky had the FA Cup at that point. I think they'd been their pick, yeah. I think. But I that, could be wrong. That was the, that was the classic um, sort of United of its time. A little bit like Liverpool, uh, Becoming in recent times, if uh, I dare say so. I mean, you know, that thing of last minute goals and comebacks and twists. I've seen it happen a bit too much from Liverpool, really, this season, unfortunately. But, you know, fair play to them. That's what good teams do and all that. Um, and that was certainly one. And, uh, yeah, Solskjaer popped up there with, a, with another one of his late goals. So I'm definitely going to put him in there. And that's brought me a little bit more time. But there's certainly somebody you can't ignore and I would put him in this whatever era we're talking about I think this guy would be in my top three and that would be Peter Schmeichel purely because I just think he absolutely he he was so important to that United team I mean they'd struggled for a a keeper for many a year you know they'd had had keepers that come in and promised a lot and then faded away and then they'd struggled in that position and he just came in and almost put the icing on the cake of a team that was on the sort of on the turn for the good I mean they'd won the Cup they'd won the FA Cup in 89-90 then the Cup Winners Cup so they were going places and then Schmeichel came in and obviously blew the league in his first full season but um, through no fault of his own but um, but he was just a sort of um, 
the final cog in the machine really and um absolutely kicked on kicked the club on to um to bigger and better things and uh, not and, and change goalkeeping i still believe changed goalkeeping completely yeah. i mean i know pe- people say that maybe about <clears throat> gordon banks and, and all kinds of eras but for me if you watch a lot of 80s football and, and early 90s football the goalkeeper basically you know that would, would sort of be stuck there and just waiting to defend a shot really and, and, and then if they did get the ball they would just bounce it a few times and boot it down the pitch um schmeichel seemed to sort of beat, the amount of attacks he started for united in that era where he would collect the ball and then throw it almost out to the halfway line to Giggs or Kinchelskis or whoever. Um, he, 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 the way he would adapt his body to, to save shots, the famous starfish sort of move that he he uh, brought to brought to us all. And um, I just think he, you know, yeah, fantastic goalkeeper, great for his country as well. Obviously, was was pivotal in Denmark winning the '92 European Championship. So um, you'll have to forgive me. I think it was around about. 700, 800,000 he signed for, maybe 650, something like that. I don't know, but there wasn't a lot of money, but it was a fantastic signing. And I've got 525 that, in my well, house. Yeah, well, then, well, maybe, yeah, it may be about that. I was thinking about six. But um, if you think what he got, what value he got. He signed that's not, it's, a, uh, that's not a sum you see often, is it? 505. Well, maybe it was something else in Krona. Oh, yeah. I don't know what the Danish currency is. I'm guessing Krona. Yeah. Uh, a price described in 2000 by Manchester United manager Sir Alex Ferguson as the bargain of the century. Well, that answers your question, doesn't it, Jab? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. until until my number one came along, and of course that was Eric Cantona, which, who I've, we've spoken about many times on this show, which we pretty much spoke about everything many times on this show, but... Um, uh, in terms of bargain, what million, just over a million pounds, and again a bit like uh, Schmeichel, completely changed the makeup of a team who were in a good place at that time, but but but, but no, was stalling badly when he came along in um, November '93, uh, on the brink of collapsing again. But he came in at the end of that year and uh, pretty much turned the season on its head. Looking at that list, I, I think maybe I may have had that in slightly the wrong order. I'd probably put Schmeichel in as my number one, but yeah. it would be a it would be a definite close one between him and um, him and Cantona. But um, in terms of the, the value paid and, and what United got out of him and what he went on to do, I think maybe Schmeichel would probably get to be be the bargain of the century. Good top three. It's really hard now to follow that because that's a stellar top three. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Mainly, well, obviously because the stature of the two clubs. Uh, and secondly, Keeper didn't sign a lot of players, in the, especially in the, the when we were good. During the early part to middle part of 90s, we stuck with a really like core group of players. Uh, maybe one or two youngsters and stuff. But we never, we weren't really a team that went out and spent, well, we didn't have any money. We were all about sort of making money off the star players and selling them on, blah, blah, blah. So it wasn't really, we, there wasn't many standout, the two massive standout ones come at either end after the two decades. So like we signed Les Ferdinand in 1987 for 30,000, which obviously then he went on, we sold him for 6 million. So that would definitely probably be the best bargain we've ever done. And then I'd say at the other end in 2000, we signed Peter Crouch for like 60,000, who was only at QPR for a season, but was the only player who did anything remotely worth mentioning in that season score I think he was 12 or 14 goals before going to Portsmouth and alright he was very raw and young but um, looked completely better than anyone else in that squad so they're two like honourable mentions even though they're not in the 90s so it's pretty hard to sort of nail it down I've, I've got kind of 
three stalwarts of those Jerry Francis teams, I suppose. Um, Rufus Brevitt, probably at number three, who signed in 91 for 150,000. Great left back in terms of consistency. It wasn't was never Clive Wilson, who is pretty much he was understudy um, for most of the early part of the nineties, but played nearly two hundred games for QPR. Um, one of those kind of in the mould of Dennis Erwin, where you rarely had a bad game. He was always a six, seven out of ten kind of player, um, up and down the wing. Oh, the odd goal scored a memorable goal at Anfield as well. But yeah, consistent defender, uh, always welcome back. Even though he left for Fulham in nineteen ninety eight, and Kevin Keegan famously saying signed for this big club down the road um, so he'd be number three uh, number two a man recently in the news for being very very bitter over his sacking over a year ago uh, Ian Holloway um, he signed from Bristol Rovers as well he was 230,000 and although again didn't pull up any trees as a, as a player he was very much a workman like in the middle of QPR when we had sort of Simon Barker and Ian Holloway in the middle um, he, he kind of an unsung hero of that QPR team in the mid '90s as well. Um, obviously, came back, did manager and twice, and has, has since become very bitter about it. After uh, we heard from after Steve, <laughs> after Steve McLaren left last week as well. Um, was that last week? No, that was Monday. That's how long this Monday, week. Yeah. yeah, that's how long this week has felt. Um, but the number one, I would have to say, be, just because of the impact he made and the fact that we only paid six hundred thousand for him, and given the impact he, he would go on to make and score the best goal of the decade as well, uh, it would maybe just Mr. Trevor Sinclair, who we signed from Blackpool. Uh, I think he was only twenty at the time, kind of a replacement for Andy Sinton, who moved on to Sheffield Wednesday, and um, went on to be probably our best player in that team very quickly. Even stayed a season one. We went down to the what was when the first division before it became the Championship later on. Scored, obviously, that goal at Barnsley. Scored another worldie at Loftus Road, I think against Manchester City, actually. A, a chip from the edge of the area. Exciting, classic winger, you know, down to the byline. Obviously went on to play for West Ham and England in the 2002 World Cup. So, And I think we... Oh, I can't remember how much we sold him for. We sold him to West Ham. Uh, 2.3 million. So not the biggest return. Plus we got Ian Dowie and Keith Rowland as well, which was just felt like salt in the wounds, to be honest. Um... <laughs> so yeah, so I'd go Holloway, Brevet, and then Trevor Sinclair as my number one. But yeah, Les Ferdinand would be the ultimate because yeah, six thousand to six million is probably the sort of Anelka standard of getting your return on on your money, isn't it? Really, I suppose. So top three. So where for me. did he? Where did he come from? Sorry, Les Hayes. Ferdinand. Hayes, non-league. Yeah. And then, he, and then he was, I mean, he never really broke through until the sort of early, so we had him from 87. He went online famously to Besiktas in Turkey, which he says is the, the making of him. God knows where they found Les Ferdinand in QPR's second string to decide they want to come in online. But Somebody was playing sensible soccer probably yeah, in Turkey. Yeah. There, is, I, there is a story and it just escapes me now how he ended up there. Um, but then he came back and, I mean, it took him a couple of seasons after that. He was kind of in Wegley's shadow for a minute and, and then sort of from... What a shadow that is. Well, yeah. yeah, it's the biggest shadow you'll ever be. Especially that flowing locks as well. And then <laughs> I think 91 onwards, I'd say, he became the number one striker. And then for two, three seasons, he was the best striker in the league. Maybe apart from Alan Shearer, but are they always tying at the top of the goal scoring chart? So, yeah, they'd be my top three. But as Joe said, tell us your bargain buy um, of the 90s. Uh, top three. Top, top three. three. Yeah, we want your top three. So, yeah, I'm sure the usual suspects, suspects on Twitter will get in touch. But, um, yeah, let's get a load in there so we can talk about it um, on the next episode. So, drop us a line at AK90s. On that note, before we go over to Matthew for his first topic, um, we. 
we had some feedback from last week's episode, and mainly on the game shows, <laughs> which has <laughs> nothing to do with football. Um, Paul Clark, who we'll get back to uh, later on as well, at Morphy81, says, TFI Friday and don't forget your toothbrush. Not technically game shows, but I suppose they had a game did, show. Did don't forget your toothbrushes. Was that a game show? Yeah, yeah. that was. Yeah, yeah. I, remember, yeah. I remember it, but I kind of can't, I completely forgot what actually yeah, happened. Because, yeah, it, it, everybody had to bring their um, bags and baggage, their suitcases along, because they might get to go on holiday at the end of it. So nobody, yes. you, you had to bring your passport That's, and all your yeah, stuff, yeah. and then you were dragged out of the... Uh, audience to play the games. The, there was the things, wasn't it? Wasn't it the ice cream versus the ice lolly? Oh, uh, yeah, it's coming back was, now. Yeah, yeah, that was the game at the end. So yeah, that was the crack. Because once he sent everybody to Euro Disney, Mr. Chris Revens, uh, oh, nine o'clock on a Saturday night on Channel. I remember it Saturday night? Right? Yeah, quite a bit. And I think it's still in places around the world. It's still going. And, and what's really? quite funny about that was was that most of the time they picked somebody with ginger hair and glasses <laughs> to host it in the regular. It, but there will be places where it's still going, yeah. But yeah, it was sold. It was sold to a lot of countries around the world, wasn't it? it was, yeah, that probably that probably made him the money to buy um, Virgin Radio and all the rest of it because it was just such a winner format. But the the thing with don't forget your toothbrush is I think they've made about four or five pilots before they got anywhere near something that was broadcastable. And in the end, they got um, William G. Stewart, who uh, you will probably remember from hosting 15 to 1 in its original okay, thing. Yeah, yeah. And he had produced... A proper game show. Uh, yeah, he had produced The Price of Light when it first came over here in the 1980s when uh, Leslie Crowder was hosting it. And the show was an absolute horlicks bloody mess before he got his hands on it. And he managed to turn it into what it became. But they'd spent, like, I think a couple of million quid on several pilots trying to get it right and just never could until until the wise old head of bill stewart turned up so there you go but yes don't forget your toothbrush is very good mm. we had some more from russell cox at russ wwfc um he said enjoyable listen but the 90s quiz shows i'd like to back are all clued up a word game with davy did david hamilton who's also the uh mc at fulham yes isn't he still yeah, well, he used to be. I don't know. I think he still might be. I, yeah. I remember hearing his voice yeah. now and again. But yeah, that was a, there was a massive keyboard, huge. I don't remember go, this run one. Up to, yeah, run up to it and press the the individual letters. It was basically Hangman, okay. but with this massive keyboard. And you had to go up and you had to press the buttons with both hands because they were that big. So there you go. I don't remember this one either. All Over the Shop with Paul Ross. That's like a consumer show, yeah. I think. I don't, yeah. I'm not sure whether that's yeah. a... Uh, he said it's... He does say it's a consumer show, so maybe... Well, that that's doesn't. not a quiz show, so yeah. that's, that's... Russell, that's not right. Uh, yeah, and otherwise we'll be having Watchdog. Yeah, I'm not talking about Watchdog. No, no one wants to talk about right. that. Uh, big break, a obviously. Daytime, hold on, a daytime... Con- oh, it is a game show. Oh, OK. Yeah, uh, there you go. Hold on. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't say anything on... I'm on com at the minute. Do you, do you, really do you run that website? Uh, <laughs> no, I've got other things to do with my time. <laughs> uh, you also mentioned. Hold on, hold on, hold oh, on. Celebrity panel game based on consumer issues. Rounds include pricing three related items in the correct order, consumer questions based on a comedy clip, and the infamous taste test round where the contestants had to work out whether paying extra for quality food was worthwhile. Uh, I have no idea what this was on. Uh, BBC One. That sounds crap. January 1997 to 6th of July 1999. 85 episodes in three series. Good God. Was that an evening? Was it evening or daytime? Daytime. Daytime. That sounds crap as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that isn't for me. Yeah. There's, a, there's an episode of it on YouTube. Okay. Um, well, there's, a, there's an episode of Chain Lessons on YouTube. I was going to get to that. Well, Can I finish this tweet, please? <laughs> um, big break with Jim Davidson, obviously, and John Virgo. Great theme tune yeah. as well. 
Um, written by Captain Sensible, formerly of the Damned. There you go. And Nightmare. I'm good at this telly stuff. You are good at this telly. You should do a telly podcast. Um, and Nightmare, which is when we were talking about kids shows. We didn't mention that one, which is fantastic. You had Jeff Capes on it. Um, if anyone doesn't remember, it's the big helmet. Two kids were watching. And, and <laughs> Where am in. I? You're yeah. in a room. Two left. Yeah, t- two steps to the left. Then the computer graphics that are from another age. It's yeah. Right, um, Jeff Capes. Yeah, Jeff Where Capes was on it. Yeah. But Jeff Capes and Jeff Capes did turn up in it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Big world's strongest man. Or, uh, Do you not know? No, he's, no, a, no. Uh, he's a budgie fancier. Oh, is he? Yeah, he's, he, he's a big ornithologist budgie type, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I don't think he, Are you thinking that Treyguard was Jeff Capes there? No, I know Trey Guard was on it, but uh, as the main presenter. But, yeah, 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 I thought you'd mistaken no, 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 Jeff no. Capes. Jeff Capes was on it a couple of times. I always remember it because people always say, "No, the bloke looks like Jeff Capes." Unless I've completely imagined this. It's not on his uh, Wikipedia. Oh, okay, maybe I have. <laughs> maybe it's. You're, light, you're lightning quick with the uh, Wikipedia. Yeah. He's Ooh. formerly. He is a former world champion of breeding budgerigars, which I knew that was right. Uh, but it doesn't say anything about okay. uh, maybe. Nightmares. Maybe says appearances on Supergrand, and he's uh, Supergrand. He, stood in, he stood in for Dave Prowse to play the part of Darth Vader in several scenes during the filming of The Empire Strikes Back. Oh, okay, right. But, well, hold on. but hold on, he went on Radio Cleveland and it never happened. So there you go. Oh, right. Okay, well, that's, that's less of Jeff Capes. Um, yeah, Chain Letters, Joel. Uh, Matthew, did you watch his episode of Chain Letters? Uh, unfortunately, I did, yes. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> thieved it from Marion, didn't he? <laughs> so I went on chain letters, right? And w- did you post the link? Ah, sure, you I haven't posted the link, no, because I thought we'd oh, talk, please we'd, do. We'd talk about it and then we'll paste it. That's what I thought. So, I, so I, I was 17 years old, I think, when I went on chain letters. Wearing women's clothing. We, we, no, I was wearing I was wearing my friend who's a woman's clothes. I, I would guess I was wearing unisex clothing, Matthew, if I was wearing okay. anything. Yeah, yeah. You know, but okay. Not that that would be anything to be ashamed of anyway. No, 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 no. no even no. in those unenlightened times of 1995, uh, I was an absolute disaster in the first round. Got myself into a right bloody pickle. Yeah, you were terrible in that first round. <laughs> in 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 that, I got myself into. I thought point. you were going to swear at one point. Yeah, I knew I wasn't going to swear, but I was. You can tell how nervous I am because I'm messing about with this gold bangle that's on my arm. I'm really, really ridiculously nervous, and. Uh, and then the second round, I was a disaster again. And then the third round, I think it's the third round tie the leader. And then I miraculously got tie the leader, and which I was about four hundred points behind everybody Poor Marion. And yeah, Marion should have won, bless her. But she was very nice later on. She, she, she was and very then gracious. I got tie the leader to get me up top, and then I answered the next question to to win the whole. Oh no, to to win the thing, to go into the lead for the first time in the whole bloody kick caboodle. And then the guy, we went to a tiebreaker, didn't we? And then and then Cliff in his very nice fringe jacket, who turned up in millions and millions of quiz shows for years afterwards. He would always forever pop up and, and do things like that. Um, and he got his question wrong. So I won by the most default way in the history of ways. Then I don't know whether you noticed in the final round, as they're doing the super chain, where I get 10 right. At one point, I get one thing wrong, and they give me the light, which is kind of what makes me think it was fixed. I have no proof for that. But I think it would have made a nice story for the scruffy student to, to go and uh, to go and win. But I won four hundred and fifty quid. I bought part life by Blur with some of the money, so that sort of tells you it gives you a a, 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 a musical context for the times, I suppose. Okay, we'll put it on. You probably you probably still got some of it left. Some of that money. 
Yeah. I've still got a copy of Heartlife by Blur. Yeah. Well, put it on Talking of which, doesn't Ash still owe you a tenner? Yeah, I do, yeah. Well, I was going to pull him up about this, right? So then, so Ash owes me a tenner. Yeah. Right? He owes me a tenner for how long now? Since July. Right. Yeah, since July. Since July. Yeah. So, knee, knee, you know, probably up to week. I Physically, I've only seen you once since then, in fairness, though, haven't I? You have, yeah. No, I, I'll give you that. There, there so is such a thing as online so, banking. So then he said... We live in the so 90s, Matthew. Matthew. Oh, yeah, then he said, oh, I'll get you a Hasbro WWE. Oh, that's the deal, yeah. Figure. So I wanted that, but now somebody's bought me a Hasbro Rock oh, WWE figure. Is it? Yeah, they have. So it's coming. <laughs> it's coming either today or tomorrow. So that's out the window as well. So I'm just. I mean, I'm, I'm winning, but I'm, I still feel a little bit okay, dismayed is there, about is this. Any, all. Is there any other Hasbro figures you need? Uh, just, the, just no. I, I, I don't know what there is. I, the new ones. I yeah, don't know. I'll have to okay. go and have a look. I'll get you one of those. And if Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar, okay. I can sort that for you, that's for sure. Okay. Um, but that doesn't count. If they're freebies, surely that doesn't did count. I, did I say they were freebies? No, he did say he was going to buy one. And, mm. and I'd also like to point out that I've given Joel lots of free tickets to WWE over the he years. He has given so. me loads of free tickets. Let's not, <laughs> you know... So before I look like the cheapskate on here. Speaking, um, of which, speaking of which, are we going to Raw? Oh, God, yeah. Of course we are. All right. Cool. Yeah, I'll get, yeah. I'll get that sorted. Don't you worry. A um, few more Good tweets bit. on the game shows. Uh, Michael uh, MickeyWYA um, says Wheel of Fortune. I think we briefly mentioned that, didn't we? Yeah, we uh, did. We did, because we were talking about Jenny Powell, I think. Yeah, right? rubbish. Yes. And then Paul Clark again. He's, I'm lo- lo- I'm loving a bit of Paul Clark at the moment. Um, he talks about the goal nets, Matthew. He said other decent yeah. nets are old Wembley nets, Chelsea's huge yeah. goal frames, West Ham's yes. narrow nets, Crystal Palace... Yeah had a particular style as well. They did. Well, yeah, the old Wembley ones. I mean, how, how could we forget? And the funny thing is about goal nets back then, they seemed to stay around for ages. I mean, those goal nets, the Wembley goal nets, I think were the ones that were used in the 50s, and they were still being used up until... <laughs> but they were. The, the ones with the sort of green stanchion that were, you know, that sort of semi-circular type shape, a bit similar to the ones at Chelsea. That, um, but, you know, I'm glad someone else is as fascinated by goal nets as, uh, it's not I don't, the only one. Mr. Hooty, Michael at Mr. Hooty says, "I really like the deep ones that they used to use in Europe as well." They're yeah, the ones. Uh, well, in Sabutio terms, they used to be called Mundial goals. You used yeah. to be able to get them, and they were very. Yeah, I think they were yellow nets, and they were very deep. And they used to be. I think the New Camp used to have them. I mean, everyone's got square goal nets now, but these ones were incredibly deep. I mean, they must have gone back about fifty yards. I think. I mean, if you when when to collect the ball out of the back of the net, you were there for about ten minutes. I think. And, uh, but yeah, fascinating subject. Um, and what talking of fascinating subjects, what have you got for us this week, Matthew? Well, I did struggle. I did struggle. I, I will. I will confess. I was up most of the night trying to think of uh, something to talk about. But while I was up struggling to something to talk about, I, I was. I, I must confess. He was on the phone. He was on the phone at the third station. <laughs> no, I, know, I, was, I thought you were going to say Brian McClare. but um, <laughs> I was. <laughs> I was actually listening to a couple of other rival podcasts, you could say, um, which I apologise for. But two of which actually threw up a couple of things I wanted to talk about. Um, one of them I've been listening to, and I think we've discussed it off air, was the is the uh, Gary Lineker, Danny Baker yep, podcast. Very good one. Seems to, yep. See, yep, seems to have gone down very well. I'm not sure who's behind it. I don't think it's a BBC thing. Cause it's, it's, no, it's called Hanger Films. Yeah, it's, uh, it's Gary. It's otherwise, himself, the B- it, yeah. Yeah, otherwise yeah. the BBC will be plugging it every five minutes like they do. Uh, it's it's a sounds up advert. I like that. Uh, Quickly, Peter Crouch podcast really love the stories, but if there is a podcast more out there that is more lads, 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 bants, bants, yeah. bants, bants, there isn't, and it gets on my no. nerves. But that's why I don't <laughs> listen to it. I can't stand it, and that's why I think I like the um, like the Danny Baker, um, Gary Lineker one. And it made me think 
about uh, Danny Baker on the radio because if you remember, he presented the very first 606, which I yeah. think um, aired in about 1991. It was definitely the 91-92 season. Didn't um, have a name, was called 606. Yeah, because, that's because the it was in the Radio on, Times. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, And I don't remember if you listened to it. It might have been a bit before your time, Ash, but I remember listening to it a lot, coming back from games on the coach or what have you. And I just thought it was so revolutionary. I, mean, I don't know if you recall, but he used to get people to... It wasn't so much about football, it was about what going to football was all about and you know, whether you've been arrested at football, whether you've ever thrown anything on the pitch at football, whether you've ever run on the pitch, whether you've ever had a drink with a football, all that kind of thing. Very, Very much, much what he's doing on the podcast now. Well, least, yeah. yeah, but um, and I was just thinking really, it's not really a sort of a question, so it was just really how football phonings have evolved and particularly over the 90s because he was so sort of uh, influential in that, but then afterwards i just think personally football phonings have just become crap i mean do you remember david uh, david meller i think took over from Ooh, yeah. danny baker after he left and it went very kind of very dry and uh, and then we went down this road that football phonings are now of people basically ringing in to say that their club was hard done by and they're going to win the league next year or they're going to stay up and all this and i just it was just really a sort of lament about how good 606 used to be and uh, i know he's sort of taken that format um to his Saturday morning radio show and probably his BBC London show as well. But um, I just think it's a bit of an unsung format and something that we take for granted now. And we did a lot in the 90s, but um, how revolutionary it was. And I didn't know whether it was something you really listened to a lot after games. or It was that thing It was that, thing that he, he is never particularly interested about, as a broadcaster, Danny Baker, he's never particularly interested about the straightforward or the... Um, you know, what might be the obvious thing to talk about, you know, he, he um, that's the thing, he always wants to take a sort of different uh, different angle of it, and it's that, it, it is talking about, the. you know, did you ever get stuck in a turnstile at a match, did you, which I did. Did you? <laughs> I, don't think I don't think you told us about that. I haven't told you about that several yeah. thousand times. Oh, yeah, well, um, yeah. So there is that, there, so there was that sort of thing that, Again, it was. I think a lot of nineties broadcasting was about a different way of doing things. Obviously, with Sky, when Sky came along, there was a lot more time to devote to things, a lot more analysis could be done. But then there was room to be a lot more knockabout and a lot more entertaining. And you know, tell us about you know, tell us about the most blatant cheating you've ever seen on a football pitch that your player got away with. Those kind of different, interesting things um, in that in that sort of world of fantasy football and six or six and, and all those things that were allowed so it, so it came away from kind of you know brian moore in his suit talking to you know brian clough or whatever so yeah he's, he's, he's really vitally important and it's not what it was now but i think because we have twitter and social media and people can talk about what they want whenever they want really and and grab clips from anywhere and throw them out or ask their own silly questions and go viral that way it's um it's but yeah i, I absolutely agree with you it's uh it, it's totally pivotal important so yeah and over time as well i mean going back to we were talking about don't forget your toothbrush and and, and the, i suppose you could say tfi friday as well i mean this was obviously quite a few years before that but it was at that time when i think things were a little bit more near the knuckle i mean i remember a couple of times players ringing into 606 yeah. when baker first started hosting i think andy townsend phoned in a few others ringing in basically to to say that you know the ref had a shocker there or i had a shocker or i shouldn't have yeah it was andy, andy townsend rang in to say that the say that the ref was or something. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just unbelievable, isn't it, to think. I mean, imagine the the hoopla that would happen if that, you know, were to happen these days. But it's just, it just got me thinking about the sort of way they've tried to take that, where well, they took that format, basically t- 
completely turned it on its head. And then throughout a lot of the 90s, you had these sort of pretty boring and dull phone-ins. I mean, do you remember you were on Sky Sports? I was about to say that, yeah. Oh, that was murder. You know, and it's just painful. It was, uh, by the way, I saw, talking of which, I saw Rob McCaffrey on Soccer Saturday. Yeah, I thought that he was doing Soccer Saturday. Because we were only talking about him the other day when I found that classic uh, video that he did of a cover version of Is She Really Going Out With Him? With a load of old 90s footballers, which I can find, (laughs) they were put on uh, on the feed. But, um, yeah, I just remember those, you know, the amount of times they tried to revitalise the football phoning, uh, and it's just been. I mean, is anyone interested, unless it's you or your mate that's rung in? I mean, does anyone care about someone saying the manager should go or the ref's a joke? Or, I mean, it's just. I've just found a little bit. I've just found a little bit about Andy Townsend on 606 from your pals at 442. Speaking yeah. of which, a very big 90s name has taken over at 442, hasn't yeah, he? Mr. James Brown. Yeah, not obviously the singer James Brown, but yeah. yeah no, not not the Godfather of no. Soul, no. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, one topic on the maiden well, show was called just how crooked are referees. And Andy Townsend rang in, who was only too happy to reel off a few decisions from that afternoon's match that he he thought were questionable. Uh, when was that? Does it tell you when that was? Because I pick, I can remember listening to it in about ninety one. I think ninety two was it. He was at Chelsea, so it must have been. Then yeah, but they formed in and early in the days of early mobile phones and all the rest of it. Yeah, yeah, and I suppose that was another thing. You didn't have that sort of instant access. I mean, people would have probably waited, you know, got home before they rang in, or you know, you just didn't have people ringing in that have been to the game. But um, yeah, I don't know how influential it was for you, Ash, and your sort of upbringing with football. But for me, it was almost a staple. It was. I loved all that sort of. You know, I said before about, I mean, I think going back to things like 442, I mean, a lot of football magazines now, I feel, are a little bit sort of sanitised. You know, I remember you know, 90 Minutes and Goal and all those magazines. When they first came out, they were very much about the sort of pub culture and the, and the culture about watching football rather than now. It just seems a little bit sort of, no disrespect, Ash, you know, I know you work for a kids magazine, so it can't really cover that kind of thing. But even 442 just seems to have gone very sort of, yeah, 442's just had a remix though so let's see what happens it's yeah. in the 442 thing because it literally had a revamp about it's probably longer than I think maybe 18 months ago which was which was totally totally needed um, and, it's, and it got better but the new issue that as you say Joel James Brown's taken over did he used to be on Loaded Joel? Is that he was the now? creator of Loaded yeah. yeah he also created a magazine called Jack which didn't work particularly well he was editor-in-chief at GQ as well I think oh, for yeah. some time he's yeah, yeah. he's a big Leeds fan he's, he's on Twitter at James James Brown we should try and get him on really. we should yeah no, but the first issue I literally got that yesterday it's got Ollie Gullish on the front and you can already see that he's sprinkled a bit more of what Matthew's talking about trying to mix up that because I'm like you, Matthew, the football magazines of the 90s, we've, well, we've done a show on it, we could do another one of just on 90 Minutes. We spoke to Paul Hawksby, who created 90 Minutes on that show as well. So, um, yeah, and I think he's he's going to make 442 a little bit, not quite like it used to be, because magazines have changed, but a bit of a bit of that to give it a bit more of a boost. I've got so many friends that say, oh, it's, it's crap, it's not like it used to be. I've always bought it because I just, out of this habitual thing for me to buy 442, I've written for it, you've written for it. Um, it's the football magazine, but I think it needs a bit of that. So yeah, he's he's just taken that over. So um, we'll see. I've just uh, I've just found the quote from that got Danny Baker fired from six or six, which is quite incredible. What he said uh, it was after Chelsea beat Leicester City with a really 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 dodgy penalty, and um, he went after Mike Reed 
the referee, not the star of EastEnders, or indeed the former Radio One Breakfast Show DJ. Uh, he said, "There is a maggot at the heart of the golden core of football. It's referees. We're going to make you responsible for all the bad decisions until there is a change." And then he suggested that Leicester fans should go and pick it, Reed's home in Birmingham, <laughs> and then the BBC fired him and brought in David Mellor. So there you go. How on earth did David Mellor get that gig? If you think about it, it's just the most yeah. polar opposite. How near was that to his big scandal where he's Chelsea socks and stuff? He must have been. Yeah, no, he was uh, Antonio. Antonio. Uh, oh, I can't remember the woman's name. We had an affair. We made her wear a Chelsea kit. Yeah. While they were while did they were keep uh, his in, Chelsea in, socks on. Is that something? From yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 yeah. And somehow we became like a, a well-known football fan on the back of that. Weird. That was very weird. Um, but yeah, no, Danny Baker as well. I was going to say. I mean. It's such an influence throughout the decade, really, isn't it? If you think of that, the, the own goal gas videos that we talk about all yeah. the time. He also did a great show, and I think it was regionalised. It might have been at LWT, and I don't know whether it was again before. Was that the sixth or fifth show? No, no, well, no, I remember that, but he also did a thing called The Game, which was like a three part series where he followed the non league. Oh, uh, league. Yeah. And, and it's fantastic. the one where mic up the referee, and the referee comes over and yeah. says, I sent off the number nine, Evans. Yeah, he said that was a. Yeah, it's <laughs> brilliant. I've got, really I've got, I've got the box set, and it's brilliant because it's, it's the sort of thing I've done many times since. But it's so, I wouldn't say innocent, but it's not ironic. I hate the way they do these things now, and it's all a bit ironic, you know. And it's yeah. all, but it's so genuine, and they've and it's so well done, and it's really it's a six part. It's a six part show that was yeah. shown. Yes, only on Elsie. Summer of 1990 was it? Uh, yes, and good news for everybody, it's all on YouTube. Yeah, we should go. go and watch it. That's yeah, I've got the box set here, but if it's on YouTube, it's brilliant. I, I remember You've got the I box set. On tape. Is it on VHS or DVD? No, no, DVD. It came <laughs> out on DVD quite... I got it for Christmas a couple of years ago, because I, I remember it well, and I'd had it on a few VHS tapes, and I, you know, it's one of those things that we used to laugh about. You know, I talked to old mates that would say, oh, do you remember the game? And, all, and I, I found it, and I think I got it for christmas and it's just it's just great it's perfect it's classic danny baker it's classic 90s and it's classic 1991 the focus of the game was division four of the east london sunday league on yeah. hackney marshes and uh, then there was the dick pop up cup final which was the final episode which was a brilliant game went to penalties and ah, oh, it's just brilliant but i it, say so it's not you can watch it now and it's it's almost timeless because it's the same thing would happen exactly now you know players would look a bit different but it's just it hasn't been uh, it hasn't been, you know, soccer AM without nice. wanting to slag off your your mate Joel, but it hasn't been sort of ruined by that sort of modern football I thing. Really look yeah, at it with a raised eyebrows. So. No, it's all done 100 percent genuine. And Danny Baker's, you know, in his pomp, you know, with his big sort of double-breasted suits and his in his sort of tiger skin shirts and that. Big when he wanted to be when he wanted to be the British David Letterman for a bit. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I mean, if you ever get the chance, I'd definitely watch it because I can let's, pretty much. Let's do a watch along for the game and go watch episode one, and we'll have a little look yeah. at the oh, channel. Right. Yeah. And I could probably, I could probably recite it off the top of my head, but it's, it's brilliant. I would definitely. Let's do that for next week. Then, as soon as we're resting this and, and knowing that it was probably we will do this less often, um, this sort of unplanned show. So maybe that's all. Watch that, and we'll reconvene after after WrestleMania week and. Um, I'll, yeah. I'll add that to my watch list for the week. You can buy it on Amazon for £3.25 if you want the actual box set. Oh, can you? What, on DVD? Yeah. Well. Bargain. But talking of bargains of the century, there you go. Bargain buys. Danny
we'll do the Twitter stuff, and then unless Joe, you, you, do you want to bring something? I'm all right. Or? No, we can we can save, save it. Let's it. do the Twitter questions. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, the only thing I was going to quickly talk about because I feel like I should at least bring something else and not just ride on the back of the listeners um, was April Fools. Um, jokes and I don't know there are always ones that stick out for me from the 90s for football related well there's one actually because the other two are technically from 1989 um, the one that I posted about um, in, on April Fool's was the David Seaman new goalkeeping gloves I don't know if that was in the one. sun yeah I remember that one yeah, so he, was he had the massive gloves that were like massive. that looked like Kenny Everett doing yeah, that they oven gloves didn't they basically like um, an Adidas and then the whole, the whole point was that they, they go launch these new I tell you which. I tell you another one that Adidas did with the sun was. Can you remember the Predator headband? Oh yes, I do. When yeah. they did that with Neil Ruddock. Yeah, that must have been nineties, mustn't it? Yeah, that was definitely nineties. Neil Ruddock Predator headband, right? Um, but yeah, absolutely. The Predator headband was a was a massive one that the sun did because I kind of believe that that was a uh, it was very good. Didn't happen. Yeah, I completely forgot about the Predator headband. Yeah, how how strange. It was called the Heditor. The he- well, obviously it was called yeah. I'm surprised that didn't actually actually come out there, knowing how much different they've they've made the Predator. Um, the the two famous ones which come in 1980s or late 80s, 89, I think, is the Ian Rush on the front cover of Shoot magazine in an Everton shirt, which is very famous. Um, some yeah, I mean, that would just would not occur now in any way. Well, shape that is my ex- exact world. I I couldn't. I couldn't get anywhere near a footballer to do that now in Kick magazine. It just wouldn't happen. It just. An agent would look at me and laugh. It just, it, yeah. So for that, that is very much of its time um, for, for football magazines when they were allowed to do a hell of a lot more. The Great Shoot magazine, which uh, still exists online, um, is not a magazine anymore. Um, and the other one, which um, I don't think anyone, many people had seen, because I think um, Sid Lambert, friend of the show, uh, tweeted it. Um, the Des Lynham and the grandstand fight behind him, which is quite amusing as well for anyone. Our, prof- our professional team are here. Yeah. <laughs> Talking of which, last week I don't think we picked up on your the typing in the background that we could hear on the when we were recording last week. Do you remember you, did we had, you had the. Uh, Somebody typing on a typewriter. Oh, right, yeah, I couldn't hear. I still couldn't hear it when I was editing it either. Uh, we came to the conclusion it was your end, but um, yeah, I do type. It might have been my keyboard because I do type to back up and no. look at the Twitter feed. So. No, this def- this sounded like about a bank of four people typing <laughs> at once. It's <laughs> all going on. Yeah, it's yeah, it's, it's, yeah it's the uh, kick towers. It's what was, that's what actually happens. I've moved to a massive conglomerate. Yeah, if if only, if only. Um, I don't think there was any more that stick out. I don't know if you remember any more from the nineties, but those were. I just wanted to mention those. Um, sort of Twitter related, nineties um, related, um, April Fools jokes. Um, let's go to these Twitter um, comments then. I said like we're to, we're doing another one of these shows. Is there anything you want to talk about? And the first person to get in touch, of course, is Scott Tweed. Um, Scott, you, we will get you back on the show, sir. I know I say it all the time, but you will be uh, will welcome back on the show at any time. Um, I think he was slightly in jest with these suggestions. Steve Morrow's arm. <laughs> <laughs> which is obviously a famous story from the 93 he was out for about nine months with that wasn't yeah it? for the Coca-Cola Cup final um, he later signed for QPR as well he, he scored the winning goal in, was it in extra time yeah against Sheffield Wednesday and yeah. he was lifted up to for celebration and was dropped promptly on his arm and I just remember him getting uh, taken off the pitch with he had the mask on and getting gas and air and yeah. everything didn't he and then they, were, they went to visit to him hospital with the cup and stuff didn't he and I think he got his winner's medal at the FA Cup final the first game which was actually a draw and he was the only one that went up to the box and 
and got the um, got the medal because it was uh, went to a replay. Um, he says the disappearance of Harold Bishop. This this sounds like it should be in your remit, Matthew. Was this in your diary? Well, it wasn't in the diary, but I remember this. I remember the story, and I can bet your life that Joe remember it. Will remember. Well, and Harold Bishop. Yeah. Well, he was. He shouldn't have been clambering about on those rocks. Yeah, he was on a. I remember him being on a on a beach front, or yeah, on, on some rocks, and then you know, all that was found were his glasses. And... Madge was crying. She found the glasses, and she was crying, and then he was presumed dead until um, he um, he turned up working in a Salvation Army shop, and uh, that um, I think it was Marlene from neighbours was going was visiting and then she took helen daniels and it turned out that it was harold but he'd suffered amnesia and his yes. name was now ted yeah ted yes it was yeah classic classic neighbours um, ask me anything about neighbours of that era mate with yeah. it, with that was neighbors. that was a great storyline that wasn't it if you think about it I and mean, it really did keep it going back. Mm. and it went on for I, mean, I can't remember how long he was he was missing for but it must have been a good few Good few months, if not more. Oh, it was, a, it was well. No, it was a few years that he yeah. that he vanished and came back because I think I think Anne Charleston left, who played uh, Madge, and then came back and then the, the discovered him in a, in a thing, and then they came back and had another run until um, I think she died of cancer in the end in in, in the show. So there you go. Love neighbours back in the day. Neighbours, lovely, lovely stuff. There's Jason Donovan's daughters just joined the cast. Oh, third generation. Oh, there we go, Donovan. <clears throat> Third generation Donovan to join the show after Terence Donovan, who was Doug Willis. Obviously, Jason Donovan was Scott Robinson, and then uh, was Doug and, Willis and Jason Donovan's dad? Did you not know that? No. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. come Terrence, on! Why did I Terrence, not know that? Terence Donovan. There you go. I, I'm very dismayed that you didn't know. No, that. so maybe I, maybe I just forgotten it because that sounds like something I should know. That that's... that sounds like something you should definitely. Know. Yeah, I'm quite ashamed of myself. Maybe I did. He, now, now you say he clearly looks like him as well, so I don't know why I'm surprised. Mm. I tell you, I Speaking of that. diaries, you know, I found my uh, 1996 diary, so this might be a thing. Oh, okay. Have you got it yeah. literally to hand, or is this just... Well, I've got it, but we'll have to... We'll, do, we'll save it. We'll save it. Because I looked at it the other day, and, and I'd gone out. And this is this is remarkable drinking prowess for me when I was 19. But I'd started drinking on the afternoon, and I've no reason to lie about this, because I was literally writing it for myself. But I'd had 12 cans of Carlin. Three bottles of Castaway. Do you remember Castaway? The sort of weird, like, alcoholic lilt. Um, three bottles of Newcastle Brown. And then gone to a nightclub. I'd like, the only place I'd be going now if I had that much beer would be a &E. and What year was this? 1996. So I was 19. Just, re just repeat that again. 12 cans of Carlin. That's three almost a whole crate. Oh, yeah. I'd be dead on, like, three. <laughs> 12 cans of Carlin. Three bottles of castaway and three bottles of newcastle brown and then i went out <laughs> then i went to the empire in middlesbrough That's... which is, and then i went to an, then i got to the empire in middlesbrough went out there for a bit and then me and my friends jumped in the cab and went up to the tall trees in uh yarn which is a, a different club altogether and it's like i'd be going to i'd be going to bed via jail i suppose if i drank that much now or you know bed by a hospital and stomach how, how much do you think you how much do you think you had to drink that day when you fell off that shed roof Probably, I mean, probably a good eight cans and then some bottles or something, yeah. yeah. Well, we could drink. Yeah. You know, we, we, no, I don't, we'll I don't doubt it. But, yeah, mm. incredible, really. I was like, holy moly. And I, I was like, I have no reason to have lied at that, at, to that because it's in my own little diary to myself. So, there you go. Yeah. But if anything, if anything, when people talk about drink, they usually tone it down a bit. So, you may have actually had more than that. And you were just actually you know, worried that... A, 
in years to come, a doctor may have stumbled across your diary and um, and accused you of having a drink problem. So you may have knocked a few cans off. Well, there you go. There's some, some prowess there, Mr. Young, definitely. Yeah, um, just, to, just to finish off Scott's uh, tweet, um, he said, Jeff from Biker Grove's pre-hipster beard, which is very true. Jeff. Well, well, oh, well, we've talked about that my granddad was Jeff from Biker Grove's dad. Yes, we have. Biker Grove. Yeah. yeah. And he had a picture of that available online. And he does have a very hipster beard. And, he's di- and he died in a fire. Poor old Jeff. Poor old Jeff. Yeah. Um, the move to all seater stadiums, which sounds like a whole different show altogether. So I'm no, not going to. We can't it. talk to that about yeah, Matthew because he just blames me. He just blames Middlesbrough. I do um, blame Middlesbrough. Yeah, uh, I had absolutely nothing to do with anything else. Um, just I think Middlesbrough. We've got a couple of others, but I think some of them are quite deep, so I might save them. Um, Johnny Retro says Johan Cruyff praising Richie Humphries and saying he was the next Marco Van Basten. I have no recollection of this. I do vaguely remember that. So I'm going to Google this and then maybe we'll delve into that a little bit more um, on the next uh, 90s Natter. Um, and Paul Clark, who I mentioned earlier, will do. He, he said back to you Friday, and don't forget your toothbrush, he also said when 90s football shirts were oversized, best live matches on ITV's The Match and football on Teletext. Those three oh, things. Best live match well, on ITV The Match. I could. Exactly. You know, I how think, long have you got? Exactly. I think we'll save those. Maybe we'll use that as the sort of arc of our next 90s Natter. Uh, we'll use Paul Clark's tweet. So hold on, hold on. Right. Richie Humphreys, Golden Goal. Sheffield Wednesday versus Leicester. And um, I remember the goal. Yeah. Bjorn Cruyff was indeed at the game. Uh, Humphreys was 10 yards outside his penalty area when a Leicester attack broke down after a clearance was headed into the centre circle by Andy Booth. I'm reading this from The Guardian. Okay. He sprinted forwards to reach the ball first and set down the centre of the pitch. Hurst made a series of runs, distracting one defender and leaving Julian Watts to deal with Humphreys. He did this uncon- unconvincingly beguiled as the young Yorkshireman carried the ball forward with successive touches of his left foot, jinking one way or the other before from 20 yards, clipping the ball over Casey Keller and into the net. So there you go. But it was one in some good... Apparently, it was the same season as the Cantonard chip against Sunderland, Beckham against Wimbledon, Trevor Sinclair, our favourite, uh, the, the overhead kick, and didn't even make the uh, goal of the season shortlist. Mm, I remember the so goal, go. yeah. Johan Cruyff was there and had said... Um, yeah, and, and declared that he was the heir to Marco van Basten. So there you go. Wow. He's got a good future, he said. Well, it did well. You listen to Richie Humphreys. I think we had him on episode two. Go way back right, in the archive. We had him on the show. Um, and talking of which, as well, uh, Hodgie at Fuzzy Duck Twenty Three got in touch about subjects we could talk about, and he said uncapped stars of the nineties. Well, Hodgie, we did a whole show on that. We did elevens, um, didn't we? I think we did uncap elevens. Yeah, we did. A, we did a team. We did teams. We did teams. Yeah. yeah so go back in the archive um, and, and listen to that. And as I said, we'll do the, those three subjects that Paul mentioned on our next 90s Natter because um, they seem like they should uh, be more open than just a brief mention at the end. So thank you very much for those. And thank you to everyone getting in touch. You can, uh, if you want to do it yourself, it's at AK90. Tell us your bargain buys as well, as we mentioned earlier in the show. Um, as for you two, um, Matthew, where can people get in touch with you on the Twitter? On Twitter, it's at Matthew J. Chris, which is also the same as my riveting instagram handle as well you put a nice picture up of your ipad and your cans aside yeah and you yeah yeah running through liverpool with a man united hat on yeah yeah i didn't get far i enjoyed that yeah Yeah, in liverpool it's one you didn't get killed yeah well it's all yeah don't believe the hype it's a a multi (laughs) it's a multicultural city you see i mean believe it or not you do see quite a lot of people in united garb around here just as you do in manchester you see people in in Liverpool shirts. I mean, it's that's the global game that football is now. You know, I mean, it's not like well, it used I, to I remember be. my my friends went on holiday in the nineties, and they went to Tenerife, 
and there was this lad there, and they saw this lad in a borough shirt. So obviously they went running up and bouncing around, oh, the borough, the borough, mate, the borough. And he said, oh, I'm not a Middlesbrough fan. And he went, why are you wearing a borough shirt? Then he went, oh, I'm a Brian Robson fan, actually. <laughs> well, there you go, you oh. see. That's exactly what he did for that club, you see. I mean, yeah, that's so much. So you ruined, ba- basically, you ruined football grounds, and now you've basically, what you've done is you've promoted people wearing football shirts as a fashion accessory. So oh. the club. <laughs> Uh, ignore you must, it. You, ign- must have, you must have had a football shirt that, that, of, of a team you didn't support, Matthew. Me, uh, like just because you liked the shirt. I, I have no. now. So I didn't. I swapped <laughs> it to City one. I've seen uh, that picture of you in a City shirt. You're sitting in your room yeah. or something, isn't it? Yeah. Oh yeah, that's the most nineties picture you'll yeah. ever see. That <laughs> <laughs> it really is. Apart from the decor, which is about nineteen seventies. Yeah, that is in the background. Is that one? Yeah, I've got. Yeah, now. I've yeah, got, but I had a huge testimonial in this. Big Glaswegian guy was like, yeah, yeah, let's swap shirts because that's what you're supposed to do at a testimony. And he was about a size 5XL. So I, I swapped I swapped my shirt, my United shirt with the laces, the famous shirt with the laces oh. for this, drunkenly, for this horrible Umbro Celtic shirt that was about 10 times too big for me. So I did have, I suppose, yeah, but I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have done it out of choice. For some reason, I think there's it, a video of me at my eighth birthday party. Uh, I had a football party at Leisure Centre. And for some reason, I'm wearing a Tottenham shirt. And I don't know why, because, yeah, I don't know if it's the only shirt they had or someone got me. There's no, no one knows the reason behind this. I think my mum and dad are lying and they never really want to tell me why, because my dad's stalk QPR. So I don't know where that comes from. It's a nice top, it's the yellow Tottenham kit with the horribly flecky bit on the side of the shirt. It's a nice kit, but I don't know why. Oh, yeah, that, that was about, that was the sort of Gordon Jury. Yeah, 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 that complete era. So I don't know why yeah. I'm wearing that, but that's bizarre. Um, Joe, where can people find you on the social? Uh, Joel Baby Herc on Instagram, Joel Baby Tweets on Twitter. So there you go. Yeah, Twitter still haven't given me my old account back, scumbags. So there you go. Damn them. Um, follow the show yeah. at AK90s. Follow myself at Ace UK. We're also on Instagram at AK90s Pod. Um, so it sounds like we're watching the game this week for next week's show. And then after that, we will talk about uh, Paul's subjects on another 90s natter. But until then, I've been Ash Rose. He's been Joel Young. He's been Matthew Chris. This has been Alive and Kicking. Until next time. Keep it 90s.